Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Laura Belgrino. Laura, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thank you for having me. One thing we were uh, talking offline a little bit about your uh, embracing the Southern culture, moving from moving into the Southern culture, but I, I want to make sure that we have a chance to just find out a little bit more about you. So share with our listeners a little bit more about Laura. Okay. Yes, I am from, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, but I'm actually from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I live in the Lake Norman area, so north of Charlotte, and it's definitely um, southern, but there are plenty of transplants here from all over the country and all over the world, too. Uh, So anyway, I live here. I have a family. I have a husband. I have a grandson, my very first grandson. Congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. Um, and a dot. My his mom is my daughter, who is 28. And a cat who you may see. His <laughs> name is Vegas. He might run around here. Um, uh, and you want to know a little bit about my work history? Sure. Just kind of, okay. So I started in sales for an advertising and branding company. I was recruited into technology in 2006. And from there, I went back into kind of the design side, the creative side. I was helping agencies uh, maybe 2008, 2009, kind of transition into doing technology and web stuff, right? Website stuff. At the time, a lot of them had not really done that transition yet actually today still a lot of them outsource the technology side of things the development any kind of heavy database development so i was helping them build out those uh, departments within their agencies and then um then the great recession happened yeah and i was let go and so that's when I really, that's when I started Web Scout, my digital marketing agency that I ran as an agency for like eight to nine years. And then uh, today it is, I've, over the last couple of years, I've transitioned it out of an agency. So I don't do all of the day-to-day campaign work, execution work on uh, you know, social media and search engine optimization for project management and all that. So I don't do all of the little details of all that anymore. I t- just train other people and consult on how to, I help other agencies and other companies build in-house uh, digital marketing departments within their organizations. So the people, process, systems, technology, and the whole integration and really training the whole company on how this is going to work with them and what they're doing now. So they no longer have to outsource and they no longer have to pay a bunch of money or not have any control over what's happening. Um, So that is mostly what I'm doing today, although I do a bunch of other fun things. Um, That's my core, that's what Web Scout is at the core today. 
So did, when you said you transitioned, did you actually sell the agency part or how did that, that trend? I mean, you didn't just like call everybody up and say, Oh, by the way, I'm not doing this any longer. Good luck. Go find somebody else. <laughs> well, that's why it was, that's why I said the word transition. So, <laughs> um, many of them really had been with me for almost that whole time. Yeah. I have, I have a client today that has been with me was one of my first three clients over 10 years ago. Uh, they have a really hard time letting go. <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> because, uh, well, it is one of those areas that's difficult to, it sounds so mysterious if you don't just, you know, if you're not in it, it just sounds mysterious. It sounds like you don't, you know, it's hard to trust somebody because Today, everybody and their mother is a digital marketer. Mm. So yeah. what is real and what is not and what do I really need and how much do I pay for this? And all those kind of questions are still there. So I still help small businesses that way as kind of like a um, interim director or part-time marketing director. Sure. I help answer those questions. I help them manage their vendors. I help them learn how to measure what they're doing for marketing. Um, but that transition was, yes, I had to call them and yes, I had to say what I was doing, but it was, yeah, six to nine month thing where all of the work that I was doing in my team as moving on and helping like my team members actually become their own owners and take out, you know, I yeah. want you to take out here. You can do it. We've been doing this together for this song. You got it. Just, you know, set up a payment system, let them pay through PayPal, you know, make it easy. Right. <laughs> but a lot, so a lot of them still have the same resources that used to work under the web scout umbrella. Um, but then a lot of them, I found larger agencies for them to work with when they mm -hmm. needed the project management piece and all of the pieces of pie to work together. Um, if they had a multi kind of strategy thing going on, right, multi effort right. strategy, when it's just a couple of things, say somebody's got pay-per-click advertising and a little bit of social media, that's pretty easy to manage. Yep. But when you've got a more complex website, e-commerce, search engine optimization, pay-per-click, media, all of those things. That's very difficult for even an agency to keep their hands around. And it's amazing. I mean, I want to encourage our listeners, if, if you look at, uh, at Laura's profile on LinkedIn, I mean, the description, it just looks like a list of skills that you would, you know, if you were filling out a resume, okay, tick, every one of these boxes that you've had experience in and you've actually done all those things. So it's, it's amazing that just the depth and breadth of, of things that you've been involved in. But I mean, I warned you before we got on camera that I'm going to chase a rabbit here or two, but one thing that as you were, as you were talking about the transition, I mean, the question that came to mind, and I think this is something that I think founders face all the time and, and actually business owners have to decide as well. What is kind of that magic, um, decision point that says it's better to either outsource this or it's better to have it in house. What's the, what is the, how do you measure that? How do you make that decision as a, as a business owner, um, especially related to digital marketing? It's gross profit percentage. If you sound like a simple not, formula. Yeah. <laughs> if you do not, if you're not profitable enough, for what you want to make in your for your time, 
then outsource it or uh, just give it up. Refer, refer it out. Just no, but I'm talking about like, like either, either outsourcing it as, a, as an outsourced department and just, you know, to contract that work or to actually bring it in house. How do you, how do you determine what is better for your business? If, and well, if, are we just talking about marketing or the whole business? Uh, I would, when I'm talking about the whole, well, I mean, I would lump a lot into the digital marketing side of things, you know, whether it's SEO, whether it's a website, whether it's econ, I mean, there's anything that's related to like your laundry list of things that you said you've been involved in. Yeah. Okay. So it depends for the marketing side of things. If it's something like social media, where it's, you're engaging with potential prospects, potential buyers, potential, you know, actual customers and your community, you're building a community. If it's something like that, I want them to have an in-house resource. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a part-time in-house resource, that person has to be so close to what you're really doing to see all the behind the scenes and to, you know, grab the controversy and to um, build the content out that they need to use to do social media for your company. So that's one of those that I really want an in-house person, even if it's just one sort of coordinator who uh, helps the outsource, maybe you need a whole team, you know, maybe right. much bigger. Uh, that helps the outsource team communicate and understand what's going on. They're the liaison. Uh, so then all the other things could completely depend on what you're doing. If mm -hmm. you, you know, the development, let's just say website development, that is a very technical piece of the pie. If, if you spend a lot or regularly and frequently spend on website development, not just maintenance, right? but doing new more all the time, or you happen to have a, you know, super, you have a, you need tight security. You, yep. You're a financial institution. You, yep. know, you need to have all those people in house. Right. But if you just are uh, an attorney, who doesn't put anything online anyway because it's all privileged, right? right. <laughs> they can't even say what they specialize it's discovery in. if I put it online, that's right. Yeah, uh, so they're not, I mean, they really don't need much for a website. It's more right. like a brochure that's online. So that kind of, you know, thing, definitely outsource because you're not gonna need it very often. Website sort of maintenance, development, Maybe every five years you'll do something. Where does SEO fall in that in that category? Okay, so SEO is a tough one because so it depends on what your business is and how competitive it is. If you are in a super competitive world, online, I mean, it doesn't. You know, this is I'm only talking about online. If you're in a super competitive world and you don't show up anywhere when somebody types in. Uh, whatever you do, <laughs> then you may want to get an SEO, an SEO type person who can do that kind of work in-house. Only because if you outsource it, there's just so many people that get ripped off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I just really hate true. to say it, but it's part of what happens 
today and yeah. really what has been happening since the first time I ever heard the word SEO in like 2005. So it was so um, uh, under undercurrent. I don't know. What's the word? <laughs> People call it white hat, black hat. Exactly. Yeah. Back all the backlinks and everything that they were trying to create. I, I would encourage our listeners to, to actually watch this episode on YouTube because it's amazing. So when I'm asking Laura these questions and I can just see the gear spinning in her head because she's, <laughs> she's actually not only just answering the questions, she's recalling all these stories and people she's worked with in the specific area. I mean, you can just see your eyes light up when you're talking about this. And it's like, you're, you're, you're animated because I, I can just tell you're thinking of all these times that you had issues that you dealt with. And, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's amazing to, it's like a, I'm watching a, a separate movie going on at the same time the interview is going on. So <laughs> it is, yeah, watch this on YouTube. You, you, it's going to be an added effect to the, to the interview, but so walk us through kind of when you started your, your digital agency and, you know, you ran that, you, you said, what, about 10 years, nine or 10 years? Eight, eight or nine years. And then the last like year and a half, so 10, 11 years total, last year and a half, I've been, I've done the transition where I don't, I no longer have anybody who's paying me for campaign management uh, or uh, each month or each week or anything like that. So I don't manage anybody's actual spend online or right. media or anything like that. So I am just uh, doing the consulting and helping and you know training any team members that they have already on staff. Sometimes I act as a mentor or a coach to maybe they have a junior team. Maybe mm -hmm. they have three people. Maybe they just have one person, but this person only knows social media. Yeah. So I help to up level that person's skill set based on what the goals of the company are. And so they can learn and grow and uh, uh, do what they need to do without being worried about the risks of um, trying to figure it out by learning online when there's so many sure. resources that um, may not even apply to you, may not even, they may be old because things go so quickly right. in our industry. You need to kind of know what's happening now, not six yeah. months ago. There is no evergreen training in in digital marketing. No, I've <laughs> it's been asked, changes so much. I've been asked by the local. Uh, colleges by all three local colleges to teach digital marketing and I said no <laughs> <laughs> no I can't because if I did a course I it, I mean it would have to almost be like a live course hey guys let's see what's happening this exactly week, you know That's right last week I told you this now this week it has to be you know we have to level up a little bit so I, uh, it's amazing to, to kind of hear the transition and I, I'm really curious, like what was the, what was the decision that you made to transition from your agency to kind of go to more the consultancy or coaching side of things? Yeah, it was just too much darn work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, understand. I, yeah. I want, I looked at what, what my most profitable services are, what my most, the biggest value that I provide specifically, my biggest value mm. to people. And I only 
I just started, I just made it very, very small. <laughs> Say, these are the things I'm the best at that you'll get the most value from me at, and they're the things that I love to do. So it does not feel like work to me. Right. So does that help answer? That, that's, a, that's a great answer. I, and that does not surprise me in the least. I mean, I, as you were kind of talking and you, how you, you kind of walked through the transition and you were like, okay, I'm gone. I've gone from actually doing it to, and even leading a team doing it yeah. to now I'm training people how to do it. I'm, I'm mentoring. I'm kind of, you know, serving as more of a, maybe a short term, you know, department lead, you know, yeah, or, that's or, exactly, I use the word interim, you know, that's exactly a, what it is. I don't want to be there forever. Yeah, I do yeah. not. I do. I want them to learn. I am a teach them to fish kind of. Person. Yeah, exactly. So if you and I are, are stepping on elevator, we're going up 10 floors. What is, what's your elevator pitch for what you're doing today? I know you kind of touched on a little bit, but you know, kind of refine it to like the next 45 seconds. This is the pitch. <laughs> well, I'm definitely a part-time digital marketing director for small businesses. That's probably the most succinct way to say it. Um, if they need, or a company that wants to build an in-house digital marketing department, or they have junior resources and they don't have one to lead those junior resources, that's another place that I'm very, um, that I come in. Then there's this like third piece of the pie where just so I don't get bored, <laughs> I take on R&D projects in the form of equity. And uh, my last one is the one that I sold for almost $10 million last year. It was uh, my first successful exit out of, it was a technology company for mm -hmm. e-commerce. So right in my wheelhouse, but, um, but yeah, so that, that was my, not my first equity, but my first successful exit equity. And now I've got one more I'm working on. I can only take a couple at a time because right. I really, I want to give it enough time. And then if it really turns into something, then I know I have to drop everything else and give it everything yeah. for a, a short period of time is my my intention. I don't want to be doing anything for the rest of my life. Right. I only want to be doing, I like to get in and get out. I, it's, I mean, as you, as you're kind of, you walk through kind of like your, the, the runway of your career path. It's, it's amazing that how many people that, that I talk to on rising tide that, that have a very similar kind of undercurrent that says, okay, I work for this company, then I work for this company, then I work for this company, then I, then I went out on my own. And I'm thinking you actually were working yourself out of a job, like yeah. over your entire career. That's exactly what I tell people. That's exactly what I do. And I know that most people don't have that kind of risk tolerance. Yeah. They just don't. They want a job. They want security. They want, you know, they almost hold on to all their information and their knowledge and they don't share it with their team members or the other department leads. And then, you know, they're secured of a job. And when, when I leave my job, I almost, I have a, you know, a week's worth of like pass on because I've already been passing everything on all along, training the next person up, training the next person up, training them to the next person. So I cross train, I do all, and, and I just think it's, 
it's just the way I like to work. I don't, again, I don't want to do any one thing forever. I, I mean, you're, forever. you're an entrepreneur. I mean, yeah. by definition, you're, you're the quintessential Wikipedia definition of an <laughs> entrepreneur. I mean, if, if people look in Wikipedia, they're going to see your picture there under <laughs> entrepreneur because what you describe is exactly how, and, and really early stage founders. I mean, yeah. You know, it's not like I want to create something and I want to work in the business in the maintenance phase. I mean, you you probably like the startup phase, get it rolling, get it, I mean, get it some traction. Yeah. And then once it almost, I don't want to use the word plateaus, but it almost shifts into the operational okay. phase. You're yeah. like, I'm ready to do something else. I'm out. That is just <laughs> boring to me. I just nope. Dang it. <laughs> we all, I mean, every one of us, if you talk to, you know, many entrepreneurs, every one of us. Before we, you know, sold the company, everybody else was doing something else already. For sure. No, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Already working. What else is, what's that? You can't stop it. And then when you get interested in one and then it just starts to roll and then you start to like lose interest in the other, like, oh no, that can't happen. <laughs> I got to get out because I might be detrimental if All I'm right. losing interest. So, yeah. And it, I mean, it really is constraining to your personality type and my personality type because we almost then we're going to start feeling trapped in the other thing that we're that we have to be in or we're trying to actually find a way to get out of you know gracefully without burning bridges and and maintain you know keeping those people in our network and that type of thing so i it is it's really funny it's almost like i'm looking in a mirror sometimes of, <laughs> of just the thought process but I, I've seen a, a lot of like short video clips that you've done online, right? You know, recently, and a lot of them have been geared toward really the coronavirus and COVID-19 and just how businesses are, are dealing with that. And, and I, I really wanted to carve out some space here because I think it is so timely right now for, for like, you know, business owners and the things that they're going through. Could, could you just take a few minutes and just really just, you know, I'm going to get out of the way here and you just kind of speak into the camera like you're speaking to them and just kind of give them some encouragement and, you know, some maybe some foundational couple of three foundational steps that, that you would take or you are taking to kind of navigate this, this, uh, you know, this rough patch that, that we really find ourselves in globally. Yes. I'm so sorry that this is happening. It's just, but it is, I mean, the comfort is that it's happening to every single yeah. one of us in some way or another, even the people that are killing it online right now still have supply chain issues are still have, you know, still have to have those backups, still have to get things scramble. They still have right. to scramble. So we're all in it together. Um, yes, the businesses that were struggling to begin with are not going to make it. They are, they're not going to come back. And I, and I don't like it, but I do like it. Like they get to do something else that could potentially be so much better for them. And if mm, they were already right. struggling, I do think that they will not come back if they were kind of mid-range in that middle range of doing okay, we've got maybe three months cash flow, you know, we can handle this. Those people have a significant decision to make, right? <laughs> Do I try to make this work? 
or do I want my life to look different at the end of this year? It's just a tough, tough, tough decision for them. The people that were strong, the companies that were strong before this are absolutely going to make it. Mm -hmm. They are working on their roadmaps right now for how to make it come back, right? Um, some of the things that I'm doing, one thing I would love to offer your people is I have been doing a bit of strategic pivoting, like brainstorming. Um, that's one of my areas uh, that I'm really valuable. I come up with very creative ideas on new business revenue streams and ideas to shift uh, shift gears, whether that's shift market or shift product or shift whatever it is, we will find a way to make things uh, work for you. And that could just be, what can you do now in marketing to prepare for this, the next, the quarter right. that we are hoping to expect, right? Uh, so I would, uh, I do offer a, you know, 15, 20 minute quick chat, but I'm pretty fast <laughs> because I've been doing this for so long and for so many people. Um, you can get a lot out of me in that short amount of time. So please, you know, reach out to me. I think we'll give some information at the end uh, about where I am and how to find me. Absolutely. But I think if that helps, I don't know. No, it absolutely. I, I mean, I really appreciate the, the, the point that you made about, you know, failure may actually release people to do something that that is even better suited for them than than what it was before. I'm I'm a little I'm gonna drill down a little bit on the kind of the middle ground that you you described there. Yeah. It looks like to me that in some ways they are almost the ones that are at the most disadvantaged position. Yes. Because they're like, yeah, can we can survive, but you know, we can make it, we can limp along, but are we going to be limping along when we come out of this as well? You know, instead yeah. of kind of cutting bait and, you know, restarting something else, it's almost like I'm, we're earning enough revenue to stay alive, but we're never going to thrive, you know, under this or something. What kind of touch on that a little bit? Oh, um, again, it's those like hard decisions. Um, uh, if you so let's say you did go and you know you got your ppp loan and you actually you know you got your 10 grand let's say it's a very small business and all they needed was 10 10 grand to keep paying their employees and stay open um until you know in a few months let's say 90 days or something uh if they were <laughs> i i think they just have to think about the way I would look at it is how long was I struggling before? Yeah. yeah. Was I, was it a stress factor that I don't really need to have? Mm. <laughs> Do I want to be doing this if this is still struggling in two years from now? Because this economy is not going to boom after this. Exactly. This is going to be several years. Right. Um, difficult. So if it was already sort of hard, <laughs> don't, it's not going to get better. You may lose it all in the end anyway. <laughs> yeah. So do you want this to be the same or harder and for how long? And if you don't, I think this is a good time to cut. I think this is a good time yeah. to start over, do something different, cut your losses. 
um, and transition. If that is, you know, a slight move into something different, awesome. But if that is a, we're closing shop, this place is not opening again, my furloughed employees are not getting their jobs back, whatever that is, um, then cut earlier than later. Yeah. Yeah, I, now. I mean, those you have to be thinking about this now. Right yeah, there's now. no question. I mean, I, I do like the, the way that you, you kind of frame that is that, you know, even if we get on the other side of this, it's not going to be just, you know, magically just reappear no. stock market 28,000, you know, whatever. I mean, there, no. there's going to be a lag, there's gonna be a long term effect. And I so let's let's drill down a little bit as we as we kind of close up the the, the chat here today. What do you think it's going to look like in, say, six to twelve months? Um, and and I mean, what's your prognostication for what this that, that we're going to look like? What is what does post COVID look like from from a business perspective? In your in your opinion, I think that's a big question. Have, I know that it is. It really is. So I think we have um, one thing I'm really happy for is is the the businesses that have been forced to evolve yeah. in the technology space, right? I have to use Zoom. <laughs> I have to let my employees work remotely. I hope to God that they have all learned that this is not only doable, but sometimes so much better for their employees. Um, that 10 hours a week they get back from just commuting that mm. they can spend with their families. Isn't that an awesome gift to give to your employees instead of just making them live in a cube farm? I mean, there are, I just love that people have been forced to learn this and that I hope that the employees and the people that uh, this, here's my cat bag. I just got to move them all the way. <laughs> Um, I just hope that the employees are really open and sharing how this makes their lives better, how this quality of life has changed for them and just a little flexibility, you know, maybe once a week, but I just hope that that sticks. Yeah. Um, and I love that everybody had to learn this, that I already, you know, all this easy stuff that we've been doing for I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years. It's so much easier today than it was back then because of no all question. the tools that are available. It's just awesome. And no I love question. that part. So what do I think, one thing I want to ask people to do is to consider your revenue streams. If you lost everything because it was only, you never went e-commerce, mm. you only went store you know in store um brick and mortar, and mortar. Yeah. you never looked at delivery services you never looked at e-commerce before i think you need you know if they weren't forced to do that and learn all of that and you know they did that's awesome but if they didn't they need to diversify those revenue streams if if my online, if my technology, this could happen the complete opposite way. The grid goes down. Absolutely. We have no technology. Yep. What is your plan 
for if there is no e-commerce, what is your plan? This could absolutely happen. <laughs> so I want people to have multiple revenue streams um, that come from some online, some offline. I don't want it to be all in one. I want you to have multiples. So that's one thing I've been helping people kind of think through. Well, how could I do this offline? Because most of my customers work online. Uh, I, I have a high yeah. tech um, clientele, a high e-commerce clientele. Right. Um, not a lot of brick and mortar, but I do have a lot of omni-channel too, where they have um, brick and mortar plus online. Right. I, uh, as you were, you're kind of going down the list there of, you know, just the things that, that companies, I mean, the ones that are going to come out of this stronger are going to have to adopt. And uh, I've got a theory that, that says that the companies on the backside of this that don't offer their employees a more flexible work environment will find it much more difficult to fill those slots than I companies so. that do. And also not only that is it's not just competing on salary anymore people are maybe even willing to take a little lower salary to have the perks of, of a much more flexible environment. So, I mean, they win in, in two, you know, bi-directionally. I mean, they, they win by, you know, we, we don't have to pay quite as much to get the same talent. Actually, the workday itself is not disrupted by commuting or, you know, getting settled or anything like this. It's, we're giving people, you know, you can actually fold laundry while you're doing something you can, you know, you can pick up your kids while you're in a Zoom call. I mean, all these things that just integrating life a little better, you know, than than we have in the past. But um, I'm I'm anxious to see what it looks like, you know, on the backside of this. Because what do you think? I I just think companies have got to they've got to. I mean, the word that comes to mind is really evolve and just become more efficient. You just have to. I mean, you're forced, you know, by necessity. You're forced to look at waste. You're forced to look at your your procedures and processes. You know, are the, space. No the space. doubt, absolutely. Just the the plant and equipment that you're you're paying yeah. for as well as you know is a huge line item on your on your budget. And um, but just is it's even necessary. You know, meetings. Yeah. This multitude of meetings that companies have. You know, in, on in person, twenty people in a conference room sitting there for an hour, you know, is that as necessary as we thought it was, you know, in 2019? I don't think so. You know, we've, we've learned that we can operate a lot better without having all these unnecessary gatherings, you know, so to speak. But we are going to have to, to learn how to, the interpersonal side of things, you know, remotely, we are going to have to learn how to navigate that as well. I mean, there are people that just love interaction, face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah. And they get really claustrophobic if you lock them in their their house, you know, on a Zoom call, you know, instead of this face to face interaction. So maybe yeah. it's some kind of combination of the two. But um, I'm just anxious to see what it what it's going to look like. But I do think that that it's almost like the survival of the fittest. I think the companies that come out of the backside of this are going to be really strong, and um, or they're going to die. It's not. There's going to be very few that are just going to kind of sneak across the line and just keep limping because. This is not, this is symptomatic of maybe a larger issue, like you said, whether it's a grid, whether it's another virus, whether it's some other, you know, maybe, maybe it's a China versus the U.S. attacking each other's economy. Who knows what, what that, you know, that could, how that could play out. 
you know, um, in the long yeah. run, but it's, it's interesting to see. And I'm trying to read a lot of like futurists and what their prognostications are of, you okay. know, what we're going to look at, you know, online, but it's, it is just interesting question that I've, I've started asking, you know, guests about, you know, just recently, I mean, how do you navigate you know, the, the current state and what do you think future state's going to look like? So I appreciate you kind of expanding on that. But as we wrap up, is there anything that I haven't touched on that you just want to kind of close with and then, you know, tell people where they can find you online and this great offer you're offering? <laughs> yeah, you can find me at webscoutcoaching.com. And I am active on LinkedIn. And that's probably the best social profile to find me at. If you send me a Facebook request, I won't, I won't accept it. <laughs> we actually have to know each other and be friends for that one. Yeah. But, but LinkedIn, definitely. And tell me, tell me how you uh, found, if you found me here or where you, how you found me on LinkedIn. And that's it, webscoutcoaching.com. Well, Laura, thank you so much for just taking the time today. It's, it's been a true pleasure. I, I have, uh, I've smiled a lot through this interview because I can just, you know, like I said, you've been a mirror to, you know, to me I as well, you. how I feel. That's right. She's speaking my language. She's speaking my love language, you know, so the whole idea of like getting in my head, but uh, I just, I really just appreciate, you know, just the time you're taking online to, you know, kind of share some things with people through video and especially on LinkedIn and just really okay. share some hints and, and just things that, you know, probably at very little, you know, very little return. I mean, actual return for the time yeah. that you're spending, but uh, it's, I'm sure it's, it is immensely helpful to people that are, as they're trying to navigate this. So thank you for doing that because it just fits right into the ethos of our podcast, which, which says, you know, thank you for playing your part in helping all boats rise on a rising tide. Laura, thanks again. Thank you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.